Hello everyone, my name is Lee Nichols and I'd like to welcome you to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Today we'll be looking at making low emissions LNG a reality. So this one comes from the Gas Processing and LNG publication, the October issue. It's written by Giuseppe Sacchero and Joel Schubert, both of Siemens Energy. Now, before we get started, I'd like to remind you all that you can subscribe to the Main Column podcast by clicking on the subscribe button, which is located on the podcast homepage, or you can use your smartphone by saying, hey, Google, Alexa, or Siri, subscribe me to the Main Column podcast. Making low emissions LNG a reality. So in 2019, it was a milestone year for LNG. Roughly 40 metric million tons per year of additional supply became available and 71 metric million tons per year of new liquefaction capacity was announced, both record highs. Overall, global demand grew by 12.5% to 359 metric million tons per year. This trend is expected to continue, with demand projected to double through 2040, as the world increasingly shifts to an energy system driven by renewable energy and lower carbon feedstocks. Now, despite growing role in the global energy mix, the environmental impact associated with bringing natural gas in the form of LNG to destination markets is being critically examined by activists, investors, lenders, and regulatory bodies. The industry now faces the difficult task of reducing emissions and effectively decarbonizing LNG production. And certain companies have actually come together and have entered into formal agreements with the hope of achieving this goal. As part of the contract, the company is conducting studies to evaluate a variety of possible liquefaction and power plant designs that can be leveraged to develop low emissions LNG facilities. The studies will also seek novel ways to enhance performance in other critical areas, such as reliability, maintainability, and development costs. So in this podcast, we're going to look at and outline specific concepts and technologies used in the studies and discuss how the industry can begin taking a more holistic approach to reducing plant emissions. So let's look at liquefaction facility designs. When it comes to optimization efforts in an LNG facility, the design of the liquefaction island often garners the most attention from owners and developers, and rightly so. The process of cooling natural gas to negative 162 degrees Celsius is extremely energy intensive. This process, coupled with the fact that most plants are designed to produce LNG around the clock, 365 days per year, means that even a marginal efficiency increase can translate into a substantial emissions reduction. So in recent years, electric motor-driven compressor trains, i.e. ELNG, have gained traction as a means of reducing emissions. ELNG opens new possibilities for controlling the liquefaction process. In many instances, it can also offer advantages over gas turbine operating and mechanical drive configuration with regard to maintenance and availability. The latter can have a significant impact on carbon footprint, as estimates indicate that anywhere from 5% to 10% of the total emissions from an LNG plant are a result of venting and flaring that takes place during startup, shutdown, and system de-inventory. So for example, a heavy-duty gas turbine driving an 8 metric million ton per year compression train has an availability of 95%. After two years in operation, anywhere from 10 days to 3 weeks are required for scheduled maintenance. Electric drives, on the other hand, can achieve more than 97 to 99% availability. It is not uncommon, in fact, for motors as large as 65 megawatts to 75 megawatts to run for more than five years without scheduled maintenance. 
Even with these advantages, the design between gas turbine or electric motor driven refrigeration trains is not so simple. A multitude of technologies can reduce emissions from gas turbines. For instance, many 50 plus megawatt turbine models now come standard with dry, low emission combustion systems, or what we'll call DLE combustion systems, which can reduce carbon monoxide and nitrous oxide emissions to single digit PPM levels. Inlet air chilling is another potential option. With this technology, Air entering the combustor is pre-cooled to a temperature that maximizes efficiency and minimizes the specific fuel consumption of the turbine. These technologies, and others, can potentially tip the scale in favor of gas turbine-driven compression trains. Several site-specific variables need to be evaluated when determining which rotating equipment solution will deliver the lowest carbon footprint over the life of the plant. So let's look at power generation. In the context of decarbonization, one of the most critical questions that must be answered when evaluating an ELNG solution is where the electricity is being generated. As an ideal scenario, from an emissions perspective, and in many cases a capex and opex perspective, it would be the LNG plant to utilize electricity from a low carbon external grid. In other words, combined cycle power plant with integration from renewable energy like hydropower, etc. However, this is not an option for most existing and prospective LNG projects particularly those that are in remote areas. In cases where grid connections is not feasible, a dedicated on-site power plant must be constructed. Gas turbines operating in open, in other words, simple, cycle configurations have traditionally been the design of choice for LNG plants. However, when minimizing the emissions profile of the facility is a priority, a strong case can be made for the implementation of a combined cycle design. A single shaft industrial gas turbine operated in an open cycle configuration has a thermal efficiency of around 25 to 30% with emissions up to 250 kilograms CO2 per metric ton of LNG produced. A combined cycle plant on the other hand has an efficiency of anywhere from 55 to 65%. Once again, the decision between simple cycle versus combined cycle requires the consideration of many factors. For example, if waste heat from gas turbine exhaust, which would typically go to the heat recovery steam generator in the combined cycle plant, can be better utilized to serve some other process outside of the power facility. CapEx is another crucial decision driver. Generally speaking, the cost to build a combined cycle facility is substantially higher than a simple cyclic plant of similar output. One potential strategy for closing this gap is the adoption of standards from the utility industry. Many LNG facility power plants in operation today are based on specifications from other oil and gas application, which are not necessarily well aligned with LNG. Adoption of utility standards can reduce over-specification and potentially lower power plant capex by as much as 20%. In any scenario, the liquefaction facility should be evaluated in conjunction with the power plant. Traditionally, the parties involved with the design and engineering of these facilities have operated in silos with different mindsets and objectives. Close collaboration between equipment manufacturers, contractors, and owners facilitates optimization of the entire plant. For example, by evaluating the availability of all required heat and power during normal, steady-state operation of the LNG facility, as well as during startup, shutdown, and upset scenarios. The goal should be to develop a project-specific power solution that delivers the lowest emissions profile over the design life. Built-in flexibility 
which allows for the future incorporations of emissions-reducing technologies such as carbon capture and sequestration, which is CCS, or conversion of the plant from a simple cycle to combined cycle configuration are other aspects that may warrant consideration. So how about renewables and energy storage? In cases where plants can tie into an external grid that has high penetration from renewables, substantial emissions reductions are possible. However, the problem of intermittency still exists. Plant operators cannot afford to have LNG production shut down or temporarily curtailed because the wind is not blowing or the sun is not shining. These renewables are available 2,500 hours per year, representing just 30% of the 8,500 hours required for the operating profile of a power plant associated with a baseload facility like an LNG plant. This has been one of the biggest hurdles on the way to bringing clean power to continuous process facilities like liquefaction plants. Battery storage can offer a solution to this problem by allowing plants to adopt hybrid power models and create new redundancy schemes. In such cases, renewables like solar, photovoltaic, or wind are used as a substitution for gas consumption when possible. During times of excess electricity production, power can be stored in batteries. These batteries can provide instantaneous power to the plant in the event of an external grid disruption. This minimizes the need for load shedding and reduces the likelihood of having to scale back production by bridging the gap between the time when the main power is lost and when the standby gas turbine starts up. Also, batteries potentially can be used for backup supply in the event of an outage of one or more gas or steam turbines in the on-site power plant. This provides more flexibility with regard to redundancy philosophies and opens the door to potentially employing an N plus one scheme instead of an N plus two scheme. In some cases, it may be possible to eliminate the need for spare gas turbines. All scenarios require comprehensive energy balance analysis and feasibility studies to ensure reliable electricity supply. Additional studies can ensure that power solutions align with the operator's objectives concerning cost and plan maintainability. However, purely from a decarbonization standpoint, the combination of conventional power facilities with renewable energy sources, coupled with the instantaneous response of a battery energy storage system, represents a highly sustainable solution, with an emissions profile as low as 6 kilograms per CO2 ton of LNG to 190 kilograms of CO2 per ton of LNG. Now, digitalization does play a role here. While the design of the LNG plant plays an integral role in achieving the lowest possible emissions profile, so too does optimizing the performance of the facility once it is in operation. Digitalization has emerged as one of the most effective means of achieving this goal, and it is increasingly being applied by operators across the industry to improve efficiency and reduce fuel consumption incrementally. Now, as previously mentioned, a large portion of emissions from an LNG plant occurs during startup, shutdown, and de-inventory. The use of digital technologies for monitoring and analysis can contribute to a reduction in these activities by enhancing overall equipment availability and optimizing maintenance cycles. Today, a host of technologies exist in the available toolbox of an LNG plant from advanced data analytics based on artificial intelligence to remote diagnostic services for gas turbines to full-scale digital twins of a compressor. When it comes to reducing emissions, the goal for operators should be to apply these solutions in ways that allow for harmonization of the entire LNG production process. In ELNG plants, 
This means allowing electrical infrastructure to talk to and exchange data with mechanical assets and associated automation systems. Traditionally, these two have been treated as separate entities and have required the application of standalone point solutions. The Hammerfest LNG plant in Norway is a salient example of the benefits that can be achieved by bringing these areas together and employing an integrated digital approach to the entire compression train. Hammerfest was the first LNG plant in the world to feature all electric liquefaction trains and holds the record for consecutive days in operation for an all electric LNG facility at 218 days. For any LNG plant, realizing the full potential of digital transformation requires extensive upfront planning. Implementing a digital roadmap of sorts can help identify long-term op opportunities and ensure cost-effective deployment of digital solutions in the early stages of project development. Early engagement also makes it easier to implement an effective cyber defense strategy, which is vital as both the frequency and sophistication of cyber attacks continue to increase. The global transition toward a lower carbon energy system is accelerating. LNG will play a key role in driving toward a more sustainable future. However, the industry must begin to look introspectively at how it can decarbonize the natural gas value chain. Owners and developers can no longer treat emissions reductions as a periphery objective. This is particularly the case for the new wave of projects set to reach final investment decision through 2025. Many of these facilities have expectations of being in operation through 2050, and the extent of which they can minimize their carbon footprint will be a competitive advantage. Stakeholders must also consider the strong likelihood of carbon taxation and how it will impact overall project economics. As we've outlined in this podcast, the quest is to develop a low emissions LNG plant. It's no longer a pipe dream. A host of proven technologies now exist, along with concepts that can be leveraged to enhance sustainability without trading off performance and availability, cost, or safety. Since no two projects are the same, the key is determining which combination of technologies can be applied to deliver maximum value over the life of a plant. I want to thank you again for listening to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.